0: Coming up on today's Locked On NHL, is there a new king in the Eastern Conference? The Battle of Ontario renewed acquaintances and two of our team's players are in the three stars of the week and Gary Bettman is celebrating 30 years as commissioner. Is that too long? All that's coming up and it's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It is the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com locked on. To get started today, this is the Locked On NHL Podcast. It's your team every day.
1: Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey
0: League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On NHL podcast your first listen on this Wednesday, February 1st. I'm Ross Levitan from Locked On Senators. With me as always every Wednesday on Locked On NHL, it's Mike DiStefano from Locked On Leafs. Mikey, kind of feels like it's time to take a deep breath. There's a couple games tonight, but then no games except All-Star Weekend for the next 10 days. You ready for a little breather in the middle of the season or what?
1: for it for sure. I'm definitely ready for it. Yeah, there's been a lot of hockey that's been played, and it's been great. Um, but you know, I think that especially, I mean, coming from uh, a Toronto perspective, much needed couple injuries. You know, that would be nice to get shored up over the course of the uh, the the nice break that we have here. But uh, you know, I think that the bye weeks are are nice to be bookending the uh, the the All Star game. So. Yeah, it's a good time for, for fans, for uh, for the players, especially, probably.
0: Yeah. No doubt. Well, before we move off, since you mentioned the Leafs and injuries, Matt Murray, where is he at? We know that he did not play against Ottawa after taking warm-up. I know it's a little bit of old news, but we haven't talked since then. I mean, I don't even know what to say anymore. This
1: was, uh, yeah, twice in one year he's supposed to play his former team of the Ottawa Senators, and – all of a sudden, day of can't go. I don't know what to say, man. It's uh, it's weird. It's definitely weird. I don't know. It's you know. I guess ankle injury flared up is is what they're reporting. It's what they're saying happened. Uh, he'll be reevaluated when they all get back after the All Star game, and um, you know he shouldn't miss too too much time and should be a factor for this team going forward. But for now. To the Samsonov's net, I think he's the undisputed number one at this point, just surely based on, you know, just not a whole lot of trust right now in, in Matt Murray and his
0: ability to uh, to be out there.
1: So what happened on Friday
0: then? Sens get the 6-2 win. Well, I
1: have no idea. I actually went out for dinner and I went to a comedy show. I didn't
0: I didn't catch the game, Ross. Didn't catch well, the game. Comedy show. So you might have been at
1: Scotiabank Arena oh, then. Oh, come on.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: oh, this guy. Well, hey,
0: well, you're just another victim. The Sens on a four-game heater, although two of them and even Montreal, like, I I think the Leafs played them not too long ago. Also, like they were known as a rebuilding team going into the year. It's still fun to beat your rival, but then when you you top up all the injuries on top of it, like it honestly, the intensity was there in the Tuesday game because there were a couple leads that were given up in the third period. It was back and forth, tied late, but the game on Saturday, like the score, wasn't indicative of how the game went in terms of flow. Montreal could have been up after the first period, even got got lucky on a couple posts, but like it's such uninspired hockey.
1: Well, last night seemed a little. Uh, more fireworks in, in last night's game. What'd you make of the Brady Kachuk thing, by the way? Which because, one, the, the game winning goal with a minute 18 left? Not that one. The one earlier in the game when he sent uh, Arbor Jack Eye, new fan favorite around the NHL. Yeah. You know, uh, sent him into the boards a little harshly from behind and then uh, declined, the declined to fight later in the game. You, you think that was from behind? The hit? Yeah. yeah. Both of his hands absolutely chilling one on one letter or one on one number, one on the other, and there was a, f- a push. Absolutely that was from behind. I don't know about that. Well, let's pull it up. This was the beauty of video. We could pull it up and we can break it down and look at it. That, so was, that was a dangerous, dangerous hit for sure. Um, luckily, Arbor Jack, I didn't get hurt, but you know, I, I oh, yeah. thought that it was uh, – I understand – brady kachuk based on the situation of the game not to respond and not to uh you know fight jack Eye when he challenged him but you know sometimes you got to answer the bell when you do a little greasy hit like that especially someone like brady kachuk who's been known to throw down here
0: and there yeah i'd say he's known to throw down i don't think he's known as being a guy who throws greasy hits so I think from that standpoint it, that's where it gets a little questionable. Now it's yeah, one of those you don't have to be known, but all it takes is one greasy bad hit to all of a sudden, you know, so be that's, wrong. That's where the contact is made. He's he's doing one of those where he's going in slow to get the puck and he puts on the brakes, gives a shoulder check, and as like look at the way his skates are. Whose? Arbor Jackey. He's stopping yeah. like this. And he's going in. Is Brady giving it to him? Of course. They had words earlier on in the game. Play the whole clip, though. Start from start to finish. Play the whole clip. Are we allowed to. That's the question. Anyway. Yeah, we can play it here. It's because we, we weren't allowed. Oh, a big hit. Kachuk, okay, so here's he had he had hit. shots. Play to the back. Two down the ice in pursuit. Arbor Jackey, and there is Kachuk. I see that as him and trying Kachuk. to throw a reverse Kachuk. hit and just two getting shots. out muscle. Two. Down the ice. If he it's doesn't stop Jack his I momentum and K'Chuck. engage physically with Brady Kachuk, there's no contact. At that point, if then Brady initiates the contact, sure. But Brady's going in and and he's looking to make a play. When Eye stops his route to the puck, Brady's timing it as though he's going back and the hit's going to be made as he touches the puck. But instead of going to touch the puck, he decides... and. You might have to ask Eye why he thinks it's a good idea when a guy who's 235 pounds is bearing down on you to he's ignore doing, the play to be made at the puck. And, he's, he's known for the reverse hit. Like, I'll give you that. He's known for the reverse hit.
1: It's a weird situation, though, where, like, even if you take, take your fandom out of it, when
0: you watch that I mean, play, to also take out the, the hit on Debrinket as well then that was thrown yeah. earlier? No penalty there. So the, at that point... The yeah, but, but we're looking at this one play,
1: but they're all wrong. What I'm saying, they're all wrong, absolutely. But just because one guy hits someone in the back and then the other guy doesn't say, Well, he didn't get a penalty, neither should he. Sure, I'm saying both so. got penalties and That's B, for me, the the hit that he laid on Arbor Jack guy, I think, is a little bit um, it, it, it turned out to be dangerous, not really at the fault of Brady Kachuk. I'm, I can't fault him. Fully on that one, clearly Arbor Jacka, you could tell, did try to throw a reverse hit. But how many times are we told, and are our kids told this now at a, on a young level, the second you see both of those numbers, you don't put your hands and stick on the back of those numbers when there's space between the command and the boards. And that's what happened. And you saw him go face first into the boards. Luckily, nothing happened and nothing went wrong. But imagine if something did happen.
0: Today would have been a much different conversation for Brady. I don't even know if I can go that far. Like, I'm seeing it as you're saying, what are we taught? Well, as a defender, you're taught that when you're going into the corner, well, one, yeah, I like that he shoulder checks, but I don't know if he needed to slow down to be able to move his neck because that's the timing of it. As he takes a shoulder check, his feet start going perpendicular like he's starting to stop. I don't know why you're taught to take a hit. Like there's there's practice where it's like, okay, you're going to make a play a little, usually it's a little reverse play and your partner comes and picks it up. When you have a four checker bearing down, let alone one of the top four checkers in the league, big body is going to come in and finish his check. As the defender, you have to be aware of that embrace for impact. Make a little quick tap play on the puck. If you're engaging. Well, I think that's what the, the reverse was all. That's somewhat embracing that
1: impact, trying to reverse it. The basically. impact wasn't made. He initiated the impact. Okay, but Brady was going for it as well. There's a reason the timing why. timing was
0: it. He would have gotten to the puck before Brady got to him. So the play is, if you're the defenseman, and you know the hit is coming in a split second, mm-hmm. take the shoulder check. Oh, my guy's behind the net. Boom, a little tap pass. You take the hit. And at that yeah, point, yeah, you've the taken close. a hit. You have to. I get it, but it still looks a little greasy. That. Either way, if you're going to say it does, then I can't change your opinion. But what I can say is there's there's no world where Brady Kachuk giving the time of day to Arbor Jacki at the end of the second period when the Habs just make it a one-goal game that there is any use for him to sit in the box for five minutes, up a goal, in a bell centre that's starting to get into it. It was 2 nothing Ottawa early, crowd was out of it. Make it 3-1. Like It didn't really feel close until Mike Hoffman made it 3-2. Five seconds later, you're going to give that team a fight and a momentum boost with the goal and take your captain off for five minutes against a guy who's been a liability dash four on Saturday and was standing right in front of the crease on the game-winning goal, scored by none other than Brady Kachuk. It's just a complete waste of talent. You you just don't take that. Like Montreal Canadiens fans know Brady's not scared to fight. He'll take Shea Weber off the ice for five minutes. A rookie defenseman that's known for mistakes in his own zone isn't worth his time at the end of the second period. Up a goal.
1: Well, you could argue you're better off having him on the ice and dumping into his corner than most other guys do. So, might be better to have him in the box or him on the ice than in the box too. Yeah, unless but, he's well,
0: put himself in the corner.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it at some point, like you could argue about that. Like you and I never played the game, but when you you hear people who did play talk about there being a code, like I remember reading. Um, an article that, that Brandon Prust, um, someone did about Brandon Prust. And he was talking about the code, and sometimes you just you got to give that fight to someone because eventually what goes around comes around, and you're going to get it back. Seeing right. what happened earlier earlier in that game, though, it seemed like maybe Brady owed him that fight for the hit that he had laid.
0: Man. It just I don't know. I, there, there's a, a little bit of, of sus to it, in my opinion, but I don't know. I, I agree with you in terms of the, the code and I like the whole you gotta stand up, but that wasn't a play where I felt he needed to. So what? Yeah. If
1: I yeah, we're Perry. going to disagree on it, I suppose. Like again, I don't think Brady Kachuk's hundred percent out full. I didn't think it was a suspendable play, but not two minutes. No, I know that, but like it still was a little greasy and, and luckily Jack I didn't get hurt on that play. But we've seen yeah. plays like that where somebody stops up before they hit the boards, so there's space between them, and then the four checker. Goes, hits him from behind, low cross check, or a check from behind, and he goes head first in the boards, and all of a sudden, you got a broken collarbone, you've got an injury, a stretcher's out there. Like, luckily, none of that happened, but those are the types of plays, just based off what I saw, where we've seen things escalate into much more dangerous situations.
0: See the uh, Brady kachuk Selly after the game-winning goal? What would you think of that one? Yeah, I mean. It's... I know you're a wrestling guy. Yeah, no, it was solid. It was a solid one then Tim Stutzloh gets booed because Brendan Gallagher decided to say words about him. And by the way, have we even heard the word diver next to Timmy since Brendan Gallagher was out, has been out of the league? No. Uh,
1: I don't think I've heard that too much. Has he drawn uh, just as many penalties this season or no?
0: Let's see. Last year, I think he was fifth or sixth. It's always like the same guys, the McDavid's, the Pierre-Luc Dubois is always up there in, in terms of uh, penalties. One One thing's up there a lot too things up there classic nhl their uh their website's giving me fits good stat natty stat usually is pretty good four points last night by the way for timmy superstar how are you
1: um hey man i i have a, a couple of his rookie cards so i'm hoping that
0: uh he goes on to be a superstar i'll tell you that arbor jack leads the league in penalty minutes and uh oh, probably is- look at the fight. Second and minor penalties taken as well. So, yeah, look well, at the amount of fights that the guys in, though. I just said minor penalties. Oh, well, that makes sense, too. Uh, Who do
1: you think is a lead, the lead? I'm looking at it. I, I, I know the answer. But yes. um, so I, well, I have the answer at five on five, and it's Michael Bunting. 28 oh, it's five on
0: five. Interesting.
1: Wait, 25?
0: Yeah. So that means four of them, they're already on the power play, I
1: guess? 28 at five on five. Yeah, 28 penalties at 5-on-5, Bunting's drawn.
0: Because Dubois is first in overall at 31. Uh,
1: Yeah, he's got 25 at 5-on-5. He's third. And uh, your boy, Timmy Stew, 13th with 19 penalties drawn this season.
0: All at 5-on-5 then, because he's at 19 on this list as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right, interesting. He also tied his career high in goal totals. From last year. It took him 70 games. He's done it in 45 this there year. In 21. All right. For more, you can go find Locked On Senators. We don't have to take over the show. But it was a Battle of Ontario weekend for Ottawa going into the break. Literally Toronto on the road, home to Montreal, at Montreal. And to score 16 goals in the three games... That's a, that's a good little mood going into the break. and hey, we're
1: four, four straight. Four straight for your sense, man. Definitely uh, a reason hey, to pump the, puff the chest out a little bit.
0: Hey, in the Ridley-Greg era, undefeated hockey team.
1: There you go. Canadian hey, gold go. medalist. Canadian gold medalist.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, again, uh, the the caveat is this is not the Habs that you ever have to worry about. They're, they're more in the Connor Bedard conversation. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, only one more time do we have to see those jerseys. Before we get off of Montreal, your thoughts on those?
1: The blue ones, like yeah. the dark blue ones.
0: I don't no, hate them. The baby blue ones. Bur, yeah, baby blue. I think there's some, but yeah, I don't I hate them. Oh, yeah. I think they're awful. Somebody <laughs> made a point. You can't win in baby blue. Just ask the San Diego Chargers.
1: Huh, good point. Or the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> Same thing. Fair. All right,
0: why don't we say hi to our friends at FanDuel and then we'll get into the top of the conference. The Carolinas, the Bostons, they, they went head-to-head this week. Unbelievable game, not only there, but then Carolina doubled it down with a comeback for the ages against the Los Angeles Kings. Stay locked on NHL wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of the Locked On NHL Podcast Network. We are extremely happy to have our friends FanDuel on tap. They're the number one sportsbook in America for a reason. And if you're new to FanDuel, even better. They have so many great features that make sports betting fun and easy. Always do it responsibly. Newcom customers in the U.S. join today and get started with $150 in free bets. Guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, have you tried a same-game parlay? Unreal. Love it. Make every moment more with FanDuel and place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets. That's win or lose at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook of the NHL channel at Locked On. All right, I'm Ross Levitan from Locked On Senators. With me as always, Mike DiStefano on Wednesday where we cover all things Eastern Conference on the Locked On NHL channel. It's local experts on the biggest stories like when that Bo Horvat trade went down. Gil Martin gave immediate reaction at Locked On Islanders and Locked On NHL. So the road to the trade deadline is on its way. We're less than 30 days away from March 3rd. It is coming. It's coming quick. Mikey, Leafs, check in. What do they need to do before the deadline? Oh, God.
1: Uh, there's a few different avenues we can go in. We could probably take up the rest of the entire podcast talking about that. But, you know, there's – One segment of the fan base that believes that the team needs to get themselves a a top shutdown defenseman, someone who's got a little bit more meat and potatoes to him, uh, a replacement for Jake Muzzin, who's expected to miss the rest of the season. And there's another segment of the fan base that believes that this team needs a little bit more offense for whatever reason. Uh, I guess the four guys who they're paying a boatload of money to can't get it done on their own. So they need one more guy to help facilitate that depth scoring. So a top six winger is also on uh, is also in the cards or maybe even a centerman like a Ryan O'Reilly type of guy to really round out and build some depth down the middle so the Maple Leafs there's a lot a lot of rumors and thought processes on what exactly they could be doing between now and the March 3rd trade deadline and I mean Dave and I will be chatting about it for the next 30 days over at Lockdown Leafs
0: Yes, you will, and that's where the beauty of Locked On comes in with all the different uh, angles and and from fans, journalists, you name it, we got it on the Locked On NHL network. Let's look at the Carolina Hurricanes. If you're in the shoes of Don Waddell and that front office staff, you had Pacioretty back, and then he's gone again. Super unfortunate, him getting re-injured. Do you think the pressure should be on for them to catch Boston as the class of the East? Or do you think that the four, one win they earned against the Bruins is enough to show you that, Hey, this group that they have can still compete with the best.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this is a team, if I'm not mistaken, they beat them last year in the first round of the playoffs. Did they not? So I, I don't think that there's anything that the Carolina hurricanes really have to prove from here on out, whether they end up, you know, winning the winning the Presidents Trophy, or if they don't catch Boston, I don't think that's necessarily, you know, on their uh, on their bucket list, their their checklist for the season is to win the league, the Presidents Trophy. It'd be nice, but I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing. Um, you know, a nice win the other night against Boston, clearly that's that's a nice feather in the cap, and they followed it up with with some more wins here, and they've been the the hottest team in the NHL since the start of the new year. So. Um, I was watching the game last night, actually, them in, uh, them in uh, L.A., and they were down 4-1 going into the third period, tied it, won it in overtime. So uh, they're just a resilient bunch and a really good team, man. Like, that's a, that's a deep team. They've always had a really good blue line, and they've always, you know, been able to put pucks in the back of the net. Special cop, Ajo, Martin Natchez is really turning into something this year for them. They've got a lot of really, really good pieces, and obviously Rod the Bods, a terrific coach, kind of put it all together so you no, know, they're definitely a team that uh y- you're gonna fear come playoff time i think they're the class of the metro um despite how well of a season the new jersey devils have had i still think that it's carolina's division to lose and then uh, at that point we'll see who comes out of the, the the atlantic it's it's definitely a gauntlet but you know that's that's a, a team in the east that that i would say have pretty high stanley cup aspirations and They've done good things so far to this point with the all-star break.
0: How about Brent Burns? The resurgence from him, man. He's he's right back up near a point per game. He's got seven points on a current six-game point streak. Had a goal and an assist in that comeback win against, uh, against the LA Kings. You
1: know what's but- crazy about it, too, about Brent Burns? Mm. When he was in San Jose, and this is where coaching and structure actually makes a difference. Go look at his, his underlying numbers when he was in Carol, when he was in San Jose on, on an awful team the last few seasons. And then go look at this team, which has traditionally been an insanely structured team under Rod Brindamore. His numbers are look fantastic. Like he looks like a, a like two-way type of guy. We know he's clearly very much more an offensive defenseman, but his underlying defensive numbers aren't, uh, aren't terrible either.
0: Yeah, it's great to see him uh, get a, a breath of fresh air. One of the unique players in the NHL. I always kind of saw him and Bufflin as the same type where they were as forwards for a quick minute and then jump back and just minute munchers on the back end. So yeah. good to see him get a breath of fresh air. Like, I still think they could use a forward though. I think, Mikey, if they could go out and bring in somebody who has maybe an extra year like the like the Lightning have done in previous years, you think of the Brandon Hagel trade and Blake Coleman and, and Barkley Goodrow, they all had that second year when they got them, so you're locked in at a lower number. I just think if they could get a little more pop, like you look at up front, they've got a couple of guys, but I still think they're missing that that crown jewel. So if, if you're going to be like that, maybe you could you can go out and, acquire an, another complimentary piece just to add that much more depth to the roster. I'm trying to think of a guy who would fit. There's nobody that's jumping out. They've got 3 million by the way to work with right now in cap.
1: Yeah. The 3 million definitely makes it difficult to find
0: that guy. Um, now if yes for fast, is in it the other way? Is yeah. It
1: like if they, if they got some salary that they can chuck somewhere or if they can find a team to retain a little bit of money too. It's a player that pops to my mind. He was somebody who I thought of potentially for Toronto too is like, he hasn't been talked about a whole lot, but I wonder with St. Louis and, and they're a team that's really starting to, you know, go through their, their new rebuild or retool, whatever they want to do. I know they put Ryan O'Reilly officially on the block recently. I think Terrasenko is officially being shopped as well. And what about a guy like Pavel Bushnevich who's now like 27 years old, going to be 28. He's got a couple of years left on his deal at 5.8, I want to say. been a point-per-game guy for the last three seasons. But if this is a team that says, okay, we need like two or three more years to retool this thing, and then by the time Cairo and Thomas are like 24, 25, 26 years old, then they'll be ready to compete. Well, by then, Bushnevich, his contract will be up. So maybe they would like to get something for him now while he still has really good value knowing that he's still a point per game player there's still a little bit of meat left on that bone and there's some term as well so i wonder if even a guy like Bushnevich would be a nice uh, a nice piece for them to
0: add I would really like that for them, but a fun team, no doubt. And one that's really like, I don't even want to say they slumped. They didn't really slump to start the season, but by their standards, they weren't at that top tier that we've come accustomed to during the Rod Brindamore era, but over the last number of games, right? Like they had that massive win streak that started out right around us Thanksgiving where they had points in 16 straight games, right? They go out, they lose a couple and, that's just kind of the ebb and flow, but they're right back to winning ways. 23-3-3 three and three in their last 29 games, Mike. Like, this is a team where they're they're at the top of their game, and they would probably hope that this break came at a different time. Although, they do have one last one tonight against Buffalo, but I feel like Br- Moore probably just wants to keep it rolling. Buffalo's a good team, by the way.
1: Buffalo? Buffalo's a good team, and I, I think Buffalo's going to make the playoffs. I All got right. Buffalo... I got him as as one of the wild card teams at this point did you see so, the pen that Rasmus D'Alene wrote to uh, to Sabres fans no yesterday well, it, it, anyone who hasn't go check it out it's really it's up on nhL.com probably on saberscom but he wrote a letter to like Sabres fans just essentially thanking um, Sabres fans for the first season and talked about how things feel special this year things are starting to finally turn around and he equated it to um, or he really understood, I guess, what it meant to be a Sabre when uh, Ryan Miller had his retirement, uh, Jersey retirement, uh, a yep. few weeks ago. And he said just having the guys who were there through those successful times in Buffalo and being able to talk to them to find out what it was like, he says since then that team has kind of galvanized them. And you look, they've been on a tear really ever since then too. They've been playing some real solid hockey. Um, so that's that's a, a team like they, they play tonight. That's going to be a good matchup, Carolina-Buffalo. I, uh, there's, what, two games tonight, actually? Buffalo-Carolina and then least bruins like, Those are two outstanding
0: matchups to end off the first half of the season. Yes, to your point, the Sabres are 5-0-2 in their last seven. For more, check out uh, last week's uh, Wednesday edition with Mike and I. I think it was, um, I forget what we titled it, but we discussed what the Sabres have the potential to do and what they could do come trade deadline. And they're a super interesting team, and we know Buffalo's a very passionate fan base. I think that was our most viewed episode on YouTube, and a couple people were in the comments, but I'm just here for the Sabres talk. So keep that energy going forward, Sabres. You've got a great young team with a ton of talent at every position, and Devin Levy isn't even there yet. Like He's going to be a stud in goal. I have a ton of confidence in him. I've got a name for you and for Ooh. Sabres fans.
1: Oh, Thatcher Demko. Wow. You think? Rumblings, rumblings, rumblings out there that maybe he wants to be. That's right. Maybe he wants to be on the way out. They don't view him as part of that core going forward. I saw Farhan Lalji, TSN Vancouver reporter, saying that there's a possibility that they could be listening on offers for Thatcher Demko. And as we touched on last week, no team has more. Assets and cap space right now to make moves than the Buffalo Sabers, so that's that's uh, that'd be a, like that's what they're missing. They're just missing a, a star goaltender to really take them into that next stratosphere. And all well, Thatcher Demko is that,
0: wow, now you've got the gears turning in my mind of what could be going the other way because Vancouver they're clearly just piling assets and and getting Atu Ratu. And um, all right, let, let's see what's next for the Vancouver Canucks. I'm sure that every Tuesday I, I believe it's Dane Lewis now on every Tuesday with Brett Holden uh, hosts our Dallas stars podcast and our Edmonton Oilers podcast. And by the way, I know this is, we'll save it for the Western conference guys, but is it kind of annoying to you too, that we've just kind of become accustomed to Connor McDavid's greatness. The guy is the guy's 16 points clear of the league right now in points. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not, nobody, nobody even like cares to talk about it anymore. It's just like, yeah, yeah. Everyone else is separated by like one point after that. It's like, okay, was we're a big bunch. It's like in a bike race. you know. It's like the the whole group, and then he's just miles ahead. It's not even close. It, and, and what's
1: still weird is that there's still discussions being had within hockey circles that if the Oilers miss the playoffs, how could he be MVP? Well, that's how. He's just – he is so good, so good. He needs to, ju- to just give it to him now. It's not even a race anymore. Give it I'm to right him now.
0: I'm, I'm completely with you. Just wanted to get that one in. You know that Connor McDavid's been crushing some built Bars. He's got to. It's the only way. But coming up, we're going to get in to Gary Bettman and his legacy, and we'll see what else comes up. You're listening to Locked On NHL. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bars are my favorite food to bring wherever I go. And have you tried Built Bar Puffs yet? Built Bar Puffs, my goodness. What else could you ever want in a protein bar, but it tastes like a candy bar? Okay, it's literally a protein-infused marshmallow. And there's a new flavor. It is Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and, of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, they're healthy for you, too. So run. Don't walk. To built.com and snag a box for you and the family. It will be the perfect treat. Or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. Like all built bars, the new Cookie Dough Chunk Puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. What's great about built is that all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new Cookie Dough Chunk Puff. Go to Bilt.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off at built.com. You are listening to Locked On NHL. I'm Ross Levitan. With me, as always, Mike DiStefano every Wednesday on Locked On NHL. We cover all things Eastern Conference. So far, we had a little discussion about the Carolina Hurricanes. I had to get my licks in for the Toronto Maple Leafs and Ottawa Senators last Friday. Did you see we had golf clap guy on, on the show, Mikey? We, we had golf. You know what I'm talking about, eh? On the broadcast. Oh, yeah, I saw it. That's that's pretty funny. I, I did get a chuckle out of, out of the golf claps. How would you find him? A uh, friend of a friend, actually, funny enough.
1: Oh, so he's like two or separation for you.
0: Literally, I mean that's the beauty of it. it's such a like small city feel and small fan base in Ottawa that it's like we can hunt guys down. I just quote tweeted, I said, We need to find this guy. And I get a DM from a guy I grew up playing hockey with. He's like, Hey, here's his Instagram. He said, So I found him on Instagram. I said, Hey, can we get you on the show Monday? Yeah, he said, Is the Pope Catholic? So I said, All right, we're in, dude. Amazing. So we I got a little I got a little freeze frame of all of us in the middle of uh we all I said, go, I said, golf class for Patty coming on. But yeah, that was hilarious. But uh, yeah, it's a little victories here. As I understand, the Senators are in no man's land, in the middle of mediocrity. But there are some fun stories around them. Uh, that to say, let's talk about uh, Gary Bettman briefly, because I want to get to a couple other topics with you that we'll finish the show up with. But 30 years in office, oh, it's a long time.
1: Yeah, it's more than any other commissioner in any other pro sports league. <laughs> um, been through what three different lockouts. I believe with Gary Bettman at the helm, um, I it's it's a weird legacy that he's leaving, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like you can see, you can see the growth in the game just based on like the amount of new markets there are since he took over. But at the same time, it, it seems as though it the growth has stagnated, or potentially it could have been even better with you know some different maneuvers, maybe like. I don't know. It's it's weird to look at Gary
0: Bettman's legacy as as commissioner. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I like you said. Like, what is the legacy is leaving? Like, I think this guy's going to hang on as long as he can. How does a commissioner even get sent down? Like, it's just like a vote amongst the owners. Honestly, I. I yeah, he works? he works for the owners, right? He's the yeah. head of the board of governors. Technically
1: yes yeah like technically he works for the owners as the commissioner of the league uh-huh. i mean it's a very complicated process when you really think about it but to me when i think about gary batman like i don't know i i i understand uh some of the things that he's done obviously but you know there's just some things that he's so stubborn on like he needs to have hockey in the desert has to have it it's just not working it really is not working, and there's other cities that are just starving for you know teams that they will go out and represent and not have to play in a college rink. Anyways, we're not going to go there. The hard cap system to me is also something that you know his, and this is partly a PA problem too. The fact that they haven't come up with some sort of solution to the hard cap system in, in with the league because you know it's very clearly that's holding the league back um in relation to the rest of the four major sports hockey basketball baseball and even like major league soccer which is starting to you know become more of a focal point in uh, in in the states more so i guess than here in canada so yeah it's it's a really interesting legacy like i said that he'll be leaving some good but a lot of a lot of bads and a lot of you know head scratchers no yeah. best, best tournaments in like nearly a decade
0: That's such an L.
1: Like, that's how you grow the game. That's how you really grow the game. Not having it in Arizona, having it broadcasted to the world on the grandest stage of them all at the
0: Olympics. That's how you grow the game. Connor McDavid has never played on the same team as Sidney Crosby. That is such a scam. Disgusting. Disgusting. Which
1: is also why the NHL, 1,000%, should have gone back to the draft where they just have... X amount of players, and then they draft guys on the Friday night like they did back when, and you give the last guy a car to make him feel better, and away you go. But at least you got to see guys play with one another that you never would have before, such as Crosby and McDavid because, you know, in the East, West, or now we've got them sorted into divisions. There's just a lot of stuff in the NHL that feels like
0: uh, it just could be better, you know? Dude, the All Star Fantasy Draft was one of my favorite sporting events I've ever dude, been to. 11. I'm not even exaggerating. The one in Ottawa, <laughs> dude, in Ottawa, it was at the casino just across the, I think, 2012. And it was, I'm going to send you a video of it after. It was the rowdiest, dude. Everyone was booing Phil Kessel the whole time, yelling. Like, obviously, the Leaf players were personas non gratis in, in Ottawa, and everyone's giving it to him. And I get this tap on my shoulder, and it's Brendan Shanahan. Just being like, stop yelling Kessel. And I looked, and this was when Shanahan was head of the league office or safety. I was like, don't worry, Shan, You won't have to suspend me. I'm just in one, just having a time. But <laughs> um, the whole atmosphere there was just unreal. It was so cool. It was like um, Chara and Alfie were the captains of the teams. And, yeah, um, I was like Zach with like the pizza line and all that, right? Just after. So it was 2012. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Ottawa had a bunch of all-stars that year, actually. That was the year Milan McCulloch scored 30 goals some somehow, some way. Uh, so he was in there. But, yeah, it was like Kessel, Dion Phaneuf was there, Joffrey Lupul. I think there were three Leafs. And, yeah, it was just a really cool atmosphere. So I don't know why. It's like there's there's nothing really to the divisional. And also with three-on-three, three, it's like there's just less players there overall. Like it why is- would they want less of their players on a grand stage like that?
1: So two things. One, Okay, we're going to get into this conversation now about the All-Star game. Sure. I think I I think I, I complained about it a couple weeks ago. The fact that there's not a single defenseman represented in the Atlantic division is a joke. You have Rasmus Dahlin, who's arguably been the best defenseman in the league in that division, and then you have perennial um, Norris-caliber defenseman and Victor Hedman also in that division, and neither of those guys got even a sniff at the All-Star game because – they can only have eight skaters, and they chose to just give them all to the Fords for whatever reason. Um, it's just dumb. And then also, did you see that uh, Chandler Stevenson is replacing Maddie Breniers? So the Seattle Kraken have no representative in the All-Star? Yeah. I thought that was the point. I thought that was the point. Now, I did hear that. I guess they had talked to a couple of the Kraken players, and they had already had plans, and didn't want to go, but like, I mean, you got to keep going down the list. Even if you get to the guys played three games, like get, get to like Brandon Tanev even and be like, Hey, Tans, Tanev, it's probably the last time you'll ever get to go to an All-Star game. You want to go? Like maybe he would have, but no, they went, they asked probably McCann. Maybe they asked Vince Dunn. And they said, all right, screw it. We don't care. Let's go with Chandler Stevenson. We'll put him in there. And now Seattle has no representatives after Gary Bettman made a major stink about having to have at least one guy from each team. Now you don't have one from your newest baby team with a fan base that probably isn't familiar with the all-star game. And that's your reasoning for having them there to get that fan base involved. And now they don't have anybody. Explain that to me. Explain why that, how that makes sense to me, Ross. I can't.
0: I would literally, I would just be talking backwards because there's, there's no way that I can rationalize it at all. I hope he has to speak this week, and typically he, he is there and, and does speak.
1: And yep. someone asks him that question, and I can't wait to hear the, the corner he puts himself
0: in to answer it, <laughs> and he won't even think twice about doing it either. Oh God. Yeah. Anyway. What are you excited about? Uh, like, what storylines are you taking into the break with you? <laughs> League wide or all stuff. Yeah. Oh, Eastern Conference-wide. What storylines am I taking with me? Like, I know you, uh, the the Sabres being a team that's able to continue their run and make playoffs. I think that's a good take for you. Yeah, I think the
1: Sabres are definitely one of those teams. I think uh, I'll be curious to see what the Oilers look like or the, uh, the Islanders look like after the Bo Horvat trade. I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I, I think that was a, a misstep to make that move for, for the Islanders. Um, They better re-sign Bo Horvat if that's going to even, or else that is a horrible deal if they don't get him re-signed and they don't make the playoffs. But uh, yeah, seeing what the Islanders can do, see what they can cook up in the next couple of weeks, see if they can get themselves, you know, back into the, uh, back into the thick of things that that might be something that I'll be looking forward to in the next few
0: weeks. I like that. And one note on re-signing Bo Horvat, the Islanders currently have five players that have the same agent as Bo Horvat. I read that online too. So I don't know if if maybe Lou has an idea that he'll be able to get it done or whatnot. And I don't know. You think there's any chance he gets flipped again before the deadline if the Islanders lose a few games here and are really out of it?
1: I, I think there's a chance. I think it's very unlikely. Right. But again, if they... You know, have a losing record from here into the all or here until the March third deadline, and they're further from the playoffs than they were when they acquired him. I mean, you'd have to think about it if you don't have a deal already done by then with Bo Horvat. It's it's definitely something you'd have to think about.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. My question, my final question to you is: Which team are you looking at to slump out of the break? Like you mentioned, it Buffalo's coming. Somebody's got to go. And I know Ooh. Hunter hody has been very critical of the Pittsburgh Penguins recently. Yeah. They're yeah. That's my spot, man. It's them. Washington is only one for their attending. last. It's goal tending.
1: They're not getting the goaltending. I think Jerry's been hurt too. To Smith ain't really doing much of nothing. Um, Dustin
0: Tukarski played a game. I didn't even know that guy was still around uh, pro hockey.
1: Hey, there you go. Dustin Tukarski. I think last time I heard that name was in the Stanley Cup playoffs with the Montreal Canadiens in like 2013. Or Pierre Maguire at the
0: World Juniors. That call. Iconic.
1: Right. And now I guess he's playing games in the year of our Lord, 2023, in the National Hockey League. I mean, good for him. I know he's been putting around in the in the American League for, like, the last five, six years. And, uh, hey, you know, all it takes is a couple injuries. I think uh, Like, Phoenix Copley's a guy, too. He was playing games. Started last night for uh, for the Kings. Didn't yep. end well for him. But, like, he's someone who also put, put around for a long time in the uh, in the american league and you know a couple injuries and all of a sudden hey you're the guy so
0: 100%. that's the beauty of sports man everything can change in a very quick hurry all right mikey appreciate you brother next time we talk it'll be the unofficial second half of the season i know everybody's past the 41 game mark but it does feel like it's time to take a deep breath and then get back For the stretch run. It doesn't happen on Locked On NHL though. The fellows will be back tomorrow. With power rankings. Like they do every Thursday. On Locked On NHL. For more from us. Go check out Locked On Maple Leafs. Locked On Senators. We thank you very much for making Locked On NHL. Your first listen each and every weekday. For Mike DiStefano. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On NHL Podcast. Your team every day.